you. Well, it is lovely to be back. We've had a great time. And I think the first thing we should say is a big thank you to everybody who bought our cakes or uh, donated items or prayed or did anything to contribute to the trip, which was fantastic. Um, but I know that we've got some visitors here tonight and some newcomers to the church who might not know um, anything about our connection with Uganda and why we went and all that stuff. So I'm going to give you the real potted version. So where's Les and Jill? Stand up, Les and Jill. This is Les and Jill Sherlock. And from fairly early on in the Lighthouse history, Les and Jill started to come along to meetings and they brought their beautiful daughter, Bex, with them. And thanks. <laughs> Bex is the connection, isn't she? Because although she was part of the lighthouse and helped us with uh, youth work and kids work here and was working in local doctor surgeries as a practice manager, she answered God's call to give some time out of her life to go and serve God in Uganda. I think she originally went to work for Jenga, didn't she? For a year. She was going to go just for one year. Yeah. And how many years? Five years ago, so she did that one year, and in the course of that time, she met this amazing man of God in Uganda called Moses, and it's a real love story. They fell in love, they got married, some of the lighthouse here went out for that wedding time, and after they got married, they began to establish their own ministry out there. Mbali has some slums, plural attached to these sides of the town. And they felt God called them to this particular slum called Namatala. And Namatala means hopeless. And they really felt called by God to turn things around in this slum to bring hope to the people there, and in particular the children. So they set up a charity called Child of Hope, and the way they began to make inroads into this very broken place was to make free education available at a nursery level. And so teams from the Lighthouse have been going over uh, over the last few years. And I went with Sheila and Julie and Bryony uh, sort of Easter time last year. And we visited their work, which was using a borrowed room about a third of the size of this hall, in which they packed in a 100 children and about six members of staff and attempted to educate them all in one space. And somehow my heart got captivated during that time. And so I wanted to return to see those people that I met last year, see what God has been doing and to make an ongoing relationship, not a one-off sort of bless you and bye-bye type of thing. So I returned this year with this wonderful young team. I was the old lady of the group. <laughs> um, and Josie, Joe, and Chloe came, and we've had two wonderful weeks there. So is the PowerPoint about ready? Okay, what I'm going to do is let the girls really tell you some stories from these photos, and then I'll chip in again at the end. Is that all right, girls? Good. Let us do all the work. Yes, <laughs> that's the best way. <coughs> Child of Hope New School. Me looking like a lemon. <laughs> so this, this is their new building. Um, you yeah. can see, like, at the top, there's, like, spikes coming out of it because they're going to build, like, the next level. There, I think it's three three floors they're going to do, but they've done the first one, and they're in there now. Yep. This bit here is slightly downhill, quite bumpy, but is where I taught netball, <laughs> which was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it was good. That's me and everyone, everyone. with all the kids. <laughs> they have these uniforms. This I don't know what. Do you remember her? Helen. Oh, yeah. Helen is a little blind girl, and... She's being sent off to a boarding school soon, but we were really privileged to sort of get to know her while we were there. And to be honest, you wouldn't really know she's blind. She's really sort of like got to grips with the, the environment in her school and she sort of just 
potters around and like plays like patter cake with you. And so it was really amazing to sort of get to know her and she would just get really involved with everything. So she was amazing. <laughs> is, is Helen's sponsor? Yeah. Does someone sponsor Helen? Light bites. Oh, light bites. Oh, yeah. light bites. That's, That's Helen. Yeah. And she's lovely. She's really cool. Really <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, so this was my <laughs> tactic, because as soon as you walk down there, they start screaming Mzungu at you, which means white person, and they just come running up, grab your arms, and try to pull you down to the ground. And I'm talking, like, 50 kids each, <laughs> just, like, pulling you down. Yeah. So I tried to sort of get some order by going, why don't we all make a big circle? And I had no plan or game, but we just made a circle and then would run in. And then ran out, and they loved it. <laughs> so that's what we did quite a lot. And then these here are the netball posts that we managed to get built. Uh, they were slightly smaller than like your average netball posts because the kids are tiny. So we thought for their self-esteem, we'd make them a bit shorter. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so it worked very well. It was just literally like a, the inside of a tyre, and they'd put this metal pole in it, and it worked very well. <laughs> Teaching some netball with, I think this was... Uh, primary year one and two. Yeah. One, two, and three I did it with mostly. Um, that was fun. This is where they cook all the food. For all the children. For all the children. Every day they do a meal, um, which generally will probably be their only meal that day or just like one of a little bit. So they're always really grateful for that. And they just cook it in that big thing. They make a lot of rice, which we discovered. It's actually more work than we thought. Because when they buy the rice, it's not like it is here, all sorted. Over there, th the people that sell it, obviously, are just as poor as those buying it. So they try to sort of bulk up the weight by putting little pebbles and stuff in it. <laughs> uh, which, obviously, would be a horrible surprise when you're eating rice. So they have to go through all of this rice and try and like, pick out all these pebbles, which we did one day when we went to go and cook with someone. And yeah. It must take forever for them to do it for the school, so bless them, they do a really good job. This is the, all of the staff at Child of Hope, and we got to know a lot of them. We had a, like a specific meeting on the Monday where we managed to like, do some ministry with them all, and it was really nice to just be able to like, pray into it. Do you want to <laughs> say who people say, are? I was going to say, this lady Scovia yeah. and this guy Peter, yeah. they are the headmaster and headmistress, if mm -hmm. you want specifically names to pray for for the school. Yeah, yeah. Scovia and Peter are sort of mm. the heads and um Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Oh, go back. This guy. That's Moses. Love of her life. <laughs> okay, you can go now. So yeah, we were there over Easter. Um, so Good Friday was the last day of their school term before their Easter holidays. So they did uh, just a party all day, which was really fun. Basically, we made lots of stations. Like, this is Chloe who went with us. She did a um, sort of art station where she got big bits of paper and bought a load of paint and sequins and stuff like that. And the kids could just get really messy and <laughs> just, like, paint it all. And then we made it into these bits of paper into a cross uh, for Good Friday. And they loved that. And we had lots of different sort of arts and crafts that we took over with us to do with them on that day. Yeah. So they all took home either We all made one of these, these crosses with the hearts and just various stickers. And by the end of the day, they were all over their faces. <laughs> and we were like, that's not what we gave them for you. <laughs> like, they weren't supposed to go there. Um, Cleona, one of the, she does social work. Uh, she was taught in Wales, was that like? And she went over there to help with Child of Hope and I think she was shocked at how there's no safety net for anything. Like, if a mother dies and her child is orphaned, like, she was just so shocked. She was like, I don't really know what to do, but I think she was like, it was a complete learning curve for her. And so she came on the day and she taught the kids how to use penny whistles and she was, yeah, she was really good. She really enjoyed that, I think, as a day for her. Another craft, which was um, hats with chosen on it. Well, there was a verse wasn't there attached to this I don't know what it, I can't remember what it was but basically they made these little hats and wrote chosen on them so that they would know that they are chosen by God and specifically designed <laughs> and they loved them yeah. um, that was another little craft game we did I don't know if anyone remember those little paper things that you like <laughs> yeah Most I tried to make those with them and it was yeah. it was fun <laughs> maybe the worst thing 
we could have done because it was just too complicated and they ended up just hitting each other with paper and stuff. <laughs> and a bit chaotic, but one did it really well. <laughs> so there's the picture. <laughs> Good. And the gospel bracelet, so that was the other craft we did. Yeah. Um, so telling the gospel on that little bracelet with the colours, which I think was our saving grace yeah, while we were there. We, we learnt this and we made one each on the plane. Yeah. And like, because we've never really been, the three of us younger ones, sorry mum, have um, never really been in that situation before. We sometimes just sprung on you, like, yeah. tell them about the gospel. They might want to become a Christian. So we were like, oh, I've quickly got to remember it. So we, we had one of those each and it really helped us. I mean, yeah, on the last so day we went, um, the three of us got taken for a sort of a tour around the slum. And um, the guy that was taking us sort of stopped us at different mothers of the children that go to the school. And we got to pray with quite a lot of them. And um, that was really good there because we gave them to them and yeah. told them the gospel. And th it was like, a really good way of doing that. So yeah. It's good. That's, That's the, cross the final cross. There's a bit of story behind this paper in that we had to go to a stationery store to buy the paper. And Chloe hadn't really quite got the grasp of the Ugandan shillings compared to the pound. And um, when they gave us a price for the paper, Chloe was like outraged. She was like, that's ridiculous. I'm not paying that much. It turned out it was like some pitiful amount of money, like two pence per piece of paper. And she was like outraged. But we were like, Chloe, calm down. Because <laughs> so shillings, like it's like 20,000 shillings is about five pounds, yeah. something like that. So they're saying in thousands. And she's like, what? Yeah. My piece of paper? I felt very sorry for the guy because yeah. she got a bit intimidating. He was like, all right, I'll put it down. <laughs> put it even further down than it was. And yeah. She did. We went back and bought other stuff from yeah. him to make up for it. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Drinking really, really sweet Ugandan tea. It's black tea, so Trying it's quite to, a shock. anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Covered in paint. Yep. More netball, which was an experience in itself because um, Ugandan net, well, probably African netball, is sort of more like rugby, <laughs> but with a netball. Um, so the whole concept of the fact that you can't move with the ball, which is fundamental <laughs> to netball, just went straight over their heads. And uh, they even could repeat it back to me. I said, if you have the ball, what can't you do? I can't run, I can't run. And then as soon as they get it, it's just like, oh, I've got the ball, I've got the ball. And they just run around. So at the, on the last day, I sort of gave in and went, let's just play Uganda netball. <laughs> just enjoy it, it's fine. I've tried. <laughs> but it was really fun and they loved it. And um, I don't know if some of you remember, I said about my netball league that I play at. I asked them before I came about um, if anyone had some things they'd like to donate because I was going to be teaching some netball out there and was totally overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that we got, which is really good because it meant that we could give them like loads of stuff, like several different balls and kit and skirts for all the girls, and which they loved having little uniforms and stuff. And um, we also had more left over to take to another place. So, yeah, and we had a full set of tracksuits for all the staff, which apparently, we didn't know, Bex hadn't told us, but a couple of weeks before they'd been asking for it because they do PE but um, they don't have any specific clothes for that. So the teachers hate sort of going out and it's so hot and getting really like sweaty and mm. horrible and then having to stay in those clothes and that's the only ones they've got sort of for the week or whatever. So they were asking for tracksuits and Bex was saying, oh, we just don't have money for tracksuits. Like we've got to put other things before that really. And But I got donated, um, I think it was like 14 yeah. tracksuits or something <coughs> from the county netball squad. Uh, so they're adult size, like full jacket, trousers and t-shirts and I was like what are we going to do with these and we got there and Bex was like oh, yes <laughs> so I was like, oh, good well done God <laughs> yeah he's alright isn't he he did quite well um, this was our good Friday celebration we came in and we were like okay we'll sort of say good, like goodbye sort of goodbye to the kids and give them out their gifts and things like that and we went and sat down and we had like choirs and various things like thank you for coming and it was like it was crazy so that was a really cool day yeah <laughs> yeah this is the choir and die die here on the end uh bex and moses had literally just taken her into her house the day before that we arrived because her mother had died from aids and um so obviously she was it was like her morning process and when we arrived it was sort of slap bang in the middle of it and I think it was nice for her to 
like have some pe like younger ones just to play around because we just were so immature. As soon as we got to Bex and Rose's house after really in intense days, it was like, let's just chuck around a ball at each other. <laughs> and so Bex was like, it's really nice to see her laugh. But it was really nice to get to know Dai Dai and spend a couple of weeks with her. And she's got um, an older sister and two older brothers who are still living by themselves in the slum. In the slum. Mm. Um, but obviously they don't go to the school, so yeah. there's not so much Bex and Mo can do for them, but they are trying to support them as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another thing to pray for is Dai yes. Dai and Dye her Dye. family because it's literally just a couple of weeks ago that she's lost her mum and she's 10 years old yeah. and just been taken <coughs> in by Bex and Moses, which obviously is just so generous, but it's all a bit crazy for her and eating this English food and <laughs> trying to surrounded. use a fork bless her she was like really trying at dinner so time and we were like you don't have to to adjust so and things like that really yeah so all the food on the good Friday day all the kids got a mountain of food yeah. just a huge pile of rice and everyone got meat and everyone got um, a bottle of fizzy soda yeah. and they were just ecstatic very hyper because of all the sugar. So does. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, we took out enough clothes for every child in the school to have at least one. Some had two or three items of clothing each, which we gave out on that last day, um, which was really fun. And they were so excited, they put them on immediately <laughs> over their uniforms so that they could get <laughs> get them on and. They were loving it, so it was really good for anyone that donated clothes and stuff. Yeah. They all got given out, and they're all very grateful. <coughs> really excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I was in charge of the nursery girls giving out uh, clothes for them, and there was one little girl that came up, and, um, and I was sort of sat on the floor, so I immediately noticed her shoes. And they weren't really shoes anymore. They used to be trainers, but they were split all around the end of the toe because her feet were just too big for them now. Um, but she'd sort of tied them together. They tried to sort of keep them together because they couldn't get any more shoes. Um, so I was like, right, we'll have a look and see if there's any shoes. But none of the nursery school shoes that we designated fitted her. So I was really upset. And I was like, this girl really needs shoes. This has got to work. And so I, in hope, went down to the primary school three area which those girls are much bigger and I was like oh no they're not going to have any shoes but we'll, we'll see and um, got this bag of shoes and went through and there was one pair that fit her just perfectly like slightly big but so she can have them for a while and they were really good and she was just so happy like proper black yeah proper shoes. thick sole leather ones so we were really excited that sort of each child had something that really fit them. It wasn't like kids were walking around with like sleeves down to the floor, like, well, this will do kind of thing. Like there was some like so many instances like that where it's just the perfect thing that that child needed, we managed to find and it was really good. <coughs> okay, this is our first weekend. Moses felt we needed a bit of a rest after we got off the plane. And and we yeah and we were like, oh, we might have been all right. And then as soon as we got there, we were like, no, we definitely needed the day <laughs> just to calm down. But we got here, and Joe did a lot of netball outreach again up here. And they managed to put some more posts in. And we'd come out of our bedroom every morning, which was essentially like a school office. And there was three beds, and there was four of us. So we managed to squeeze in. And we'd come out in the morning and look over at the netball pitch, which would just literally be a netball pitch, and then just drop into this valley. And we were like... <laughs> Basically, it was up the mountain. We had yeah. to travel up the mountain for a couple of hours um, to this really sort of rural little village. It was yeah. literally just the church, the reverend's house, so yeah, the church, the reverend's house, and then school around the edge. And everyone else lived sort of quite far off. They would trek quite far <laughs> to get to the meetings each day because they were all sort of farmers. Yeah. Um, and we went up there, and they had asked to do some netball with the girls at the school as well, and they'd made their netball posts out of eucalyptus trees. Yeah and um, some metal that they bent round into a circle. And they got there and just went, we don't know what a netball court looks like, paint one for us, and gave me some uh, wood preservative. <laughs> so we were measuring it out and going, oh, I think it's about this. So <laughs> painting the court, it might be one on the next slide, maybe. Yeah, that was the view from our bedroom. They let us stay in the school because um, I have a bit of a thing about rats. Which I think is understandable, really. But 
they were like, oh, okay, if you have a problem with rats, we'll put you somewhere else. <laughs> so we slept in this school, which was fun. But that was our view every morning, which was really cool. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Mum. <laughs> That's me in bed. Um, yeah, we had, like Joe said, three beds. And tried to sort of just wrap ourselves in our mosquito nets, which is fun, yeah. Uh, this is Moses painting out the court oh. while I sort of directed him. Yeah. Um, yeah, with wood preservative, which is cool. But just notice, yeah, like, the, the random there. little rocks that are on the court. <laughs> so it was like health and safety issues on that court yeah. and we'd wake up and there'd be cows all over the court and they'd like poo freshly for us and we'd be like just sort of run round that yeah it's lovely avoid that avoid the bricks and the stones digging a hole to put the tree in which is cool um and yeah so i was doing it with much old well not much but older than the kids at the school um so this was fun as a first experience because they sort of had their own ideas about what netball was, yeah. Um, yeah, which, like I said, was kind of like rugby, yeah. as in running, but also as vicious as that. I was quite shocked. <laughs> and, I, and I kept trying to explain, you're not allowed to touch the other... No one else. You can't touch anyone else. And they were like, well, how would we get the ball? Like, <laughs> and they'd just come up. One of them would have the ball, and they'd just take it out of their hands, and the other one would be like, oh, okay done I've lost it I was like what kind of rules are these so I was trying so hard to try and get some order <laughs> into the game but they were a bit older and so they kind of would just look at each other like who is this crazy girl <laughs> trying to tell us how to play netball but it was fun <laughs> they also got given bibs and balls and things so they were very excited as well um Yeah, because the meeting sort of started quite empty because most people had no way to tell the time. So you'd say, I'll come at 11, but that means nothing. Like, we'll come when we can kind of thing. So it would start quite empty. And uh, once they heard the music, some would, more would come. But uh, it worked out quite well because I was like, if you want to play netball, you have to just come very early. <laughs> and they would come, and then I'd be like, now we're done, you can all come to church. This will be good. So... Yeah, we had the whole netball team and all the mothers coming into church, which is cool. It filled it out quite a lot. Describe your experience of ministry time, Joe. Being quite a reserved Christian <laughs> before I went, um, I would say I probably am not now. Um, <laughs> Moses would just sort of, we'd preach a word and Heather would sort of, we'd sort of start praying and, and Moses would just sort of give us the nod and we'd be like, okay, sort of pray ourselves and then sort of look for people and we'd just go around and be like, do you need healing for anything? Which is a bit of an issue in itself because you need a translator. But we'd be like, do you need healing for anything? And just start praying and just like the absolute expectancy and faith that they have just sort of blew me away. And um, yeah, so we would just go from person to person and it just like, something would happen with the whole church, like the Holy Spirit would just come, and it would be healing of everything, like f physical healing, spiritual healing, anything really, and it was just... And also amazing. up at um, Bumamali, which is this <coughs> little village, Moses warned us on the drive up, this is a highly spiritual place, very spiritually active, and he was like, that's good in some ways, and in other ways, quite yeah. bad. I mean, it's not all good stuff that's working there. So that, you know, eased our minds as we started. Um, <laughs> but we'd, g we'd go down and pray with these people and we're sort of used to praying here where you know like quietly pray ask is it okay if I put my hand on you if you ask that there they'd just be like okay or whatever. <laughs> are you not going to put your hands on me <laughs> but um, we were quite started off quite quietly and um, and they just they weren't quite sure about what we were doing because they were used to just people just come and like shove their hand on their face and just start screaming at them and stuff but they have to be really, like, taking authority so much because of this, like, highly charged atmosphere. And um, one of the first little girls that I prayed for, I, um, I sort of tagged on with mum <laughs> sometimes because I was a little bit nervous at first. And we prayed for this little girl who I think was about nine or ten years old. And, um, and we were praying for her, and they were saying, oh, she gets these pains in her head 
in her head, sorry, heads. <laughs> <laughs> that is a problem. Uh, pains in her head. Oh, this is this the little? Yeah, yeah that's the girl. And um, you can see I'm looking nervous. And uh, she, so we laid our hands on her head and just started praying for these sort of, oh, Lord Jesus, please make these headaches go. And as soon as we said the name of Jesus, this girl just sort of went, bolt straight like flew herself back and then threw herself onto the ground and started screaming and stuff and we were like whoa what's going on at which point another pastor Ugandan pastor came and started praying with us and just started like taking authority and she was like basically it's like demonic oppression and this little girl and I was like what she's like 10 years old how dare they <laughs> got really annoyed about it and started praying for her and um, it was one of the best moments of my life, I think, because this girl was just, if you pulled her eyes open, like she wasn't focusing, she just wasn't in control at all. And we were just praying for her and just speaking into her life, saying, we cover you in the blood of Jesus. And just, Lord, will you just come and take over? And um, we prayed for this little girl. And then just suddenly, it, something just snapped. And she just sat up and looked at us and just smiled. And it was one of the best moments of my life because she was suddenly just free. And she was like, yeah, the, all the pain's gone. I'm completely healed. And just felt like she just looked happy. And that was one of the best moments because it was just, it, I felt like that sort of sense of justice in me. Like, this is a little girl. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be, like, afflicted by this kind of thing. And it was just so good. And it really started off that whole time so well because we were like, Oh, we could do anything now after this. <laughs> and it was really good. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, this is the Reverend's house. So, yeah, it's his back garden and his cows would just sort of sit there and chickens would run around. <laughs> and we'd, we'd go in here to eat every morning and evening and maybe tea in the afternoon. And then we'd have to sort of like walk down past here and there would be sort of like a toilet which I won't go into massively, but was just a hole. And, um, and then next to that was a room with like a bucket of water. So that was our shower each morning. So it was an experience. And um, yeah, it was very yeah, clean, we actually. Think we think that they actually we built the walls around it for us while we yeah. were there. I think they like made an, a new hole and stuff mm. for us for when we were coming. Which we were very uh, privileged. We were so grateful for because we were like, what was it like before? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... We were happy. <laughs> yeah. And that's the church that got crammed into. I mean, there was quite literally like ladders coming out of the window so people could stand on the ladders and mm. look in as well. Like, yeah, because the church really was like sometimes. three quarters of the way up the mountain. There was like several churches above and like loads of people would walk down just like to be at the conference that we're like Moses was sort of hosting. Yeah. So it was quite packed. This is our group. This, well, obviously me and Joe. That's our friend Chloe. Um, these two girls are sisters. And they helped me with the netball mostly. Um, and the guy, yeah, I'm with interpreting. This guy is called Oscar. And he did the worship, well, partially. Um, because basically their system for worship, which was a bit of a struggle for me, coming from quite an organised sort of setting of worship, they would just have someone come up, they'd grab the microphone and just start singing a song. And then Oscar had this little keyboard that did, you know, like the drums and the bass and <laughs> stuff like that, little Casio type thing. And, um, and so he'd press play on the drums, but they wouldn't start together or agree on a song someone would just start singing. So he pressed play on the drums. So they're singing a really slow song. And it's like, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> and he'd be like turning down the tempo. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Once he'd finally got the drums to the right tempo, he'd then try and find the key they were singing in. So trying different chords. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my goodness, I can't handle this. But he did do really well. And in all fairness, he always found the key eventually. <laughs> and he always got the drums at the right tempo eventually. And then it was quite fun. It was really good. <laughs> so he did well. And he pretty much went everywhere with us, uh, with his little Casio, which was cool. And the guy at the end um, is Philip. Yeah. He is 75 mm. years old. Yeah. And on the first day of my netball, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed because I was surrounded by all these girls that wanted to play. 
and then just a massive crowd of people that were just coming to look at the white person. So I was feeling quite like self-conscious and, um, and realised that like all of our stuff was just in lying a pile around. lying around. And I looked over and there's all these kids going through our bags. And I was like, <laughs> and I, he came up and sort of sensed my anxiety and was like, I'll guard your bags. He got his little cane stick. out <laughs> and was just stood by them like, <laughs> come on then, this little guy. <laughs> he was so funny. He was such a legend. And he stayed there like all afternoon, just like keeping the kids in check, <laughs> keeping them behind the line. He was like, back, back. And even though he was just this like little old guy that with a lisp because he'd lost his teeth and stuff. All the kids were just like, okay, okay. <laughs> so he kept order for me. Yeah. And he also had 10 sugars in his teeth, which horrified me and probably explained the teeth. But he was really funny. And this is the reverend's house where we ate. Yeah, a feast. Every day they made this. Uh, so much of it. This is just half of the rice. It carries on. <laughs> this is matoki, which is like um, like a plantain, which they cook and sort of mash. Um, but it's not so much like mash, because then it sort of re-sticks together into just one massive <laughs> mound of carbohydrate. <laughs> so <laughs> it was filling, which is good. Um, but yeah, it was really, to be honest, the food was actually really good. It was one of my concerns. I was like, oh, we're here for three days and we've got to eat. And we could see them just cooking outside, like just sort of tearing the meat and stuff like that, just sat on the floor and cooking it over a fire. And I was just like, oh, this is a bit nerve wracking. But the food was really good and we got fed so well. And as soon as you finished your last mouthful, we refilled your plate again. So... It was really good. We ate very well. There were lots of bananas. That's an avocado. Look at the size of it. It was a beast. Um, you don't want to be the guest of honour, which <laughs> mum was almost every day. <laughs> because that means that you get the gizzard, which was <laughs> lovely, chicken gizzard. And every day she got it. And she was like, can't someone else be the guest of honour today? <laughs> really appreciate your honour, but... Honour Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this was my family. Was this was this yours? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this isn't really in sequence, but one of the first things that we did was we went into the slum near the school. So we're back in Mbali now, mm. and uh, like we did last year, we were introduced to a mother of one of the children from the school, and this was the mother I was introduced to, Helen, and a staff member, Susie, came, and we we took. Um, a, a shopping bag full of some food and asked whether we could be um, blessed enough to come into the home and cook with them some of the food and it meant that we made a connection really to the families of the children that go to the school and we could see how they live what their homes are like uh, this lady is a Karamajong mother uh, there is a father, but he does not contribute anything to the upkeep of the children. He has a job, but he drinks the money on the way home, drinks it all, and then arrives um, often in an abusive frame of mind. So this is, this is the pattern, I'm afraid, in the slum. It is the norm. And so what she does in the morning is she gets up early and goes to the rubbish tip. You'll see a picture of the tip in a minute. And she goes to pick over the newly tipped rubbish to see if she can find enough saleable items to perhaps buy some rice or something. She looks for bits of charcoal or something like that in the tip. And that's how they survive. So they don't eat every day necessarily. So she is delighted that her little one gets a meal every day. She was really keen to show me a photograph of a third child that she had, but that died before uh, he reached the age of five, which is another uh, norm in the slum because disease is rife. They have a couple of latrines, so about 500 people per latrine. So you can imagine how quickly disease can spread. So we got to... Uh, cook. Each of us was placed with a mum, got to chat to them, cook with them, and then we would leave 
just as it was time to have the meal so they could have the meal just for their family and save some for the next day and so on. But again, we had our little gospel bracelets, didn't we, girls? And it was fantastic because, you know, in the lull in the cooking, while we were just waiting for things to cook through, we'd say, I've brought a gift for you. They love beads, these bracelets. And there's a story to this bracelet. And we were telling the story of the gospel using the beads. And it became very easy then to pray with them um, and hear where they were with God. Chloe was fantastic with her lady because... She uh, was in a slightly different bit of the slum than us. And um, unfortunately, some of the drunk men arrived as she was trying to do her cooking. And they were really disrupting the time. But Chloe, of the four of us, was the best equipped to deal with that because she works in a pub. Her parents own a pub. She's completely used to talking to drunk men. She wasn't at all <laughs> freaked out. And just kept on track, still told the gospel, prayed with the mum. The mum was really lifted up because she'd been so low and depressed. And each of us had this privilege. Here's Jo with her mum. And it was brilliant, wasn't it, girls? Um, my mother was, uh, <coughs> she was a Christian already, so it was really nice to just sort of hear what God was doing. And, like, the fact that, she had to get up at like five in the morning every morning go to this rubbish tip that we'll see in a bit and collect like plastic containers to sell and a sort of a bin bag would be about a thousand shillings which is about a bag of rice and so if she didn't fill a bag she just wouldn't eat and um, she had three children and she was pregnant with her fourth and there was no father around so she was completely on her own and I got this sort of feeling that she was a lot younger than a lot of the mothers <coughs> around the area and so it was like really sort of humbling to be able to talk to her and she'd recently been baptized as well which like I had last summer so it was sort of like it was something that was on my heart and I was able to just talk freely with her about it and I just sort of prayed for her and yeah it was really good actually it was nice that's Chloe's Sorry. family that she was with um I don't know if there is a picture of me with the lady I was with um but the mother I got put with was her name was Fatuma and uh she was a Muslim, and so I started trying to cook, which sort of broke the ice quite a lot because I was shocking at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you, I'm just really used to, if I'm cutting something, putting it down and cutting, but there's nowhere to put it down, so they just sort of cut, like tear things and cut in the air, and with the rice, the rice that they have to sort for all the pebbles, they do this thing, they put it on a tray and like, flick it all up in the air like really high off the tray so that and it kind of separates in the air and then they like blow some of the bits off but I was just so bad at it and I was terrified that this one bag of rice that I'd brought to them they were trying to get me to sort it and I was chucking it up in the air and it was <laughs> just going everywhere and they were just laughing at me and going like oh keep trying and I was like seriously I'm I'm like ruining your rice. Just you do, <laughs> you do this bit. Like, give me something else to do. So it kind of broke the ice because before she kept, she sort of went, oh, thank you, and then left and left us to do the cooking. But Moses brought her back and was like, she's here to talk with you as well. <laughs> so that broke the ice and then she sort of opened up to me a little bit. And um, I found out that she was a Muslim. And I said, well, anyway, I've brought you a gift. Here's this little bracelet. By the way, there's a story to it. And I was like, would you like to hear about Jesus? And she was like, well, I'm a Muslim. I was like, I'll take that as a yes then. And, uh, and I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I'll tell you anyway. And she was like, oh, okay then. So I started to tell her about it. And, um, and when I got to like the bit about Jesus' blood and it making us, so it's like green is the earth. I'll share the gospel with you. Green is the earth and it being all good at first and then black is sin coming in. And then there's red, which um, it represents Jesus' blood. And then it goes to white, and it makes us clean. And then to gold, and it's about going to heaven. And when I got to the white and gold, her eyes just lit up. And she was like, hang on, are you saying that like, if I accept Jesus, then I'm not to blame for anything I've done wrong? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I was really happy. I was so overexcited that she was like getting it. And I said sort of, do you feel like maybe you, you want to accept Jesus. And she was like, I think maybe I should think about this. This has all happened a bit fast. But I was like, well, you know where the Child of Hope office is. I'll leave this with you. Like, 
just every time you look at look at it, think about that and think about how like as soon as you just pray and just give those things to God, like you're made clean. And she just like visibly was lighter, just even though she hadn't actually said like I'm gonna be a Christian kind of thing, I'm pretty sure that God's got his hand on her and that it's gonna happen. Because it was just it changed the atmosphere around her and it was just she suddenly became much more open and then we were just sort of chatting and being girly and taking pictures and stuff, and it was really good. <laughs> Typical houses in the slums. Pandas, which are mud, really. Mum was, um, I mean, we all were, but mum particularly, because she said it every time we went through the slum, just completely shocked about how every <coughs> inch of ground was covered in plastic, um, which obviously just stays there forever doesn't break down or anything and it, it like that's just what the ground is like everywhere there it was pretty disgusting and that's the tip with the cows eating on it so obviously all the animals sort of digest a lot of this plastic because it's just everywhere um, and that's where all the mothers go like the lady I was with she tried to find bits of metal in the tip every day to sell and that's what they go and sort of go through This was the slum itself. Um, we got taken round the sort of market one day by, was it Ruth? Oh. Ruth, who was the administrator at the Child of Hope office. And she showed us all like the vegetables and things like that. And we were just going, whoa, whoa, <laughs> like this. Because like the vegetables are so different size, like size-wise is like amazing. They send the tiny fruit to England and keep all the huge stuff there, <laughs> which I can totally understand, but it was amazing. <laughs> uh, this was there where they washed and cleaned and cattle cleaned and Drank e everything from. yeah so their main water supply and chloe did ask pius who took us round namatala at one point whether they boiled their water and obviously they can't because they'd have to buy charcoal or like wood to boil the water so they just drink it like that <coughs> So in the last few days, um, I think it's from the Friday to the Monday, another sort of remote village, they were having a crusade. Mm. But yeah, that's what they called it. Um, yeah, we found out like the day before, Moses was like, no pressure. If, you, if you're too tired, it's fine. We don't have to do it um, or I'll just do it. <laughs> but there's this sort of, conference going on and they would like you to speak every day we were like oh okay um so we went down there we just did it in the evenings um and they made this stage which you saw in the last one just out of just bits of wood which shook me to the core <laughs> i was terrified because they do this thing you know they can all like jump really high yeah, their worship is so vigorous <laughs> that they start jumping yeah <laughs> It was really good. But they all just, they had about <coughs> 20 people on there to lead the worship. Yeah. And, um, and they were all jumping and dancing. And it's literally just, it, it doesn't do it justice there because it was moving visibly, <laughs> like up and down. And the bits of wood were like shaking. And yeah, it was scary. Oh, was we did a sketch on <coughs> Noah, which is what the umbrellas were about because it rained when about Noah was around. The rainbow. And, <laughs> and then there was a rainbow. It was really cool. <laughs> the day after, though, wait, maybe we just add, when we arrived again. This is mum preaching yeah. at this place, um, which is quite scary because it, we, we didn't want to stop, like, instantly because we only started in the evenings and they didn't want us to go through, like, when it was dark, it got a bit dangerous, but we wanted to carry on and finish things that had started, so we're sort of keeping going and they're trying to light everything with, like, a generator attached to the car and so the light that's a rare moment when the light was on and then it would just go pitch black and you'd be praying for someone who like is black <laughs> so you're just like okay um <laughs> i can't see anything now like it was quite awkward and like, you couldn't see anyone it just would go completely pitch black because you're in the middle of nowhere so that was quite fun as well praying for people you couldn't see <laughs> joe <speaking. laughs> yeah <laughs> i think we should yeah yeah, <laughs> that's um, Pastor Philip's wife Rose, who um, are pastors of Namabasa Church, which is just outside the slum. Um, and Pastor Philip was doing a lot of the speaking at this place as well, which is cool. 
Mum stood in a wheelbarrow on the sketchy stage. <laughs> I don't know, it really scared me. But it was a trust, a trust talk that she was doing and about how it's like being in a wheelbarrow with God. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You have to be fully in. So she got fully in and there were just shrieks rise up <laughs> in the crowd. Ah, what's she doing? Why is she in the wheelbarrow? There you go. It's quarter to nine, so I know that we need to wrap up in a minute. Um, but I was just so proud, I hope, in the best kind of way, of the girls at this Narsing event because um, we had no idea really what was going on. And as Phil mentioned earlier, Moses will do a ministry time at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. So the first thing he'll do is get up and say, anybody who needs healing, come down here now. Come on, team. Come on. Heal them in front of everybody so that they will know God is real and pay attention. So they would just get stuck right in and then they'd think, oh, relax now because that bit's done. But then halfway through the talk, Moses will say, I've got words of knowledge about this, this and this. So everybody come up. Come on, team. Come on. You just heal them now. And they go back and do another lot, you know, and then finally again at the end of the evening and um, they were just so willing even to run on empty and in fact we discovered that it was at the emptiest points that the biggest breakthroughs would happen. Um, feel free to chip in on this story Joe, as I tell it. Um, one evening they were presented with a particular mum who had come the night before, got her leg healed, gone home and struggled as to whether to become a Christian or not, returned the next night in order to do the deal with God and become a Christian. So she presented and they led her to the Lord. Fantastic. Then she mentions a baby and that this baby um, had a problem in that it would be fine all day, but then it would scream all night, every night, and not go to sleep at all. And that she was really tired and really worried about it. So they brought the baby, and the girls took the baby in their arms, and they began to pray. And it's only seven months, this <coughs> six or seven months, this baby. And the baby starts to manifest a demon just rolling the eyes back, screaming, arching the back, becoming unnaturally heavy, drool and all this, which was quite shocking for them. And they carried on praying for this baby, and it didn't just happen like that. They then had to get scriptures and declare scriptures and had a real tussle to get this baby clean and free. Um, and then bless them. Moses leaves them with doing all of this malarkey. And it just, have you read in, in revival reports about how people fall as if dead? Motionless, completely gone, not responding, sometimes till the next day, sometimes longer, under the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, this happened to the baby. And they're flicking its little face, going, come on, come on, come on, respond. Nothing, absolutely nothing. But they did not fear. Did not fear this. Carried on praying and declaring. Took it in turns to pass the baby round. And you just carried on, didn't you? Carried on until it became baby-like. And it came round, didn't it? And t tell them about how the mum reacted. Well, yeah, this baby just, it's been screaming and stuff. And like mum said, basically, we I thought it might have died. I was trying to find a pulse genuinely and couldn't find one and if you opened the baby's eyes they were just fixed straight ahead completely glazed over and <coughs> it was just we were going for probably about an hour praying for this little baby and then um joe because it was so heavy for some reason joe was like oh can you take him for it a minute six month old baby heavy. no like, really really heavy hour, and so i took this baby and as i lifted the baby up to sort of change position suddenly 
it's, I sort of felt like a little wriggle <laughs> like through his whole body. And suddenly his eyes snapped open and this little baby just like giggled. And we I was like, it's like, back, it's back. I was it's like, back, it's fine. He's Stop. here. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> and we were so excited. And this mother had become a Christian quite literally five minutes before. And, um, and she'd been praying with us and she was just like declaring things and I'm dedicating you to Jesus. Jesus is like the way we are following Jesus from now on and was like really going for it. And so when this baby sort of suddenly wriggled and was like alive, <laughs> she just went crazy. She was like, yes, praise the Lord. And just started screaming like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise Jesus. And as she did, everyone around her started joining in and just started like jumping and screaming and doing that thing that they do with the <laughs> thing, which I can't do. But it was really cool. And it was just suddenly everyone started like rejoicing with each other. And then after that, it was just like, we all suddenly just went really peaceful. And it was like, oh, thank goodness for that. It was just so good. And it was just such a sort of um, example of just the glory of God. And for that woman who's just become a Christian and just decided to give her life to God, to that, for that to be the first sign and for that baby to be peaceful, because it was the middle of night by then, so it would have been screaming. And obviously was screaming when we were holding it. So just that sign that it was just being peaceful and fell asleep in her arms, she, it was just such a great way to start her off on her walk, because it was just like she's got that testimony there in her arms every day of just how good God is. And it was really cool. It was a good moment. And it was the last night as well before we went home, so we were like, yes. And it's we weren't going to go that night. We'd sort of been given the decision and we were so, so tired. Like everything was so intense just sort of up to that point. And we were like, no, I think like we feel like we should go. And so we went and Chloe had been ill the day before. So she really pressed in. And yeah. as an example of it yeah. being like really low, we were just exhausted and, <coughs> and the best things happened. Yeah. So. Now Mabasa Church is um, Pastor Philip's church that I mentioned and showed you his wife. Um, yeah, and they're gradually getting enough roof onto this bit as a roof and then the next bit isn't it's just open but they were an example of a church that could really rejoice yeah. like if I've ever seen joy it was in that church like they just in the worship immediately just everyone engaged and yeah. everyone was going for it and really really singing not sort of just to themselves not like oh it's just between me and God I'll sing quietly it was like let's get everyone going and they had this these like few people who would like go and sing at the front and like really encourage everyone and it was just so much fun to be in church there it was really cool and um we prayed for the men didn't we in particular i think we'll we'll finish with this thank you girls (laughs) um i felt the holy spirit say to me on this trip uh malaria isn't the main problem in uganda poverty isn't the main problem in uganda the, the greatest thing that they battle against, the greatest strategy the enemy is using in their society is fatherlessness. Terrible, terrible problem of fatherlessness. And so we wanted to bless the men, and so I preached a bit about father heart, blah, blah, blah. But look at this, girls. Look at this, Sheila. Look at this, Julie. Do you recognize that little girl? That little girl there in the blue is called Carolyn, and we met her last year when we were there. She was brought in by the grandmother in Brown and Cream there to our meetings last year. And I am not joking, she was the most pitiful specimen of a little girl I have ever seen. She was filthy, drooling at the mouth, not in her right mind, smelly, covered in flies, um, couldn't focus, full of fear, boiling hot, fever, just in a right mess with burns on her body. And the grandmother had heard us preach healing and went, heal that. (laughs) So we couldn't reach through language. We couldn't take a history. We couldn't do any counseling. We couldn't do any of the stuff that we might do in our Western thing couldn't do anything other than proclaim the name of Jesus and look her right in the eye and speak love in, which I did for some time last year, just 
just kept telling her she was loved, she was chosen by the Lord, that she was beautiful in his sight and precious and poured this love in. The team got money together and bought her some clothing, some underwear and some clothing and a mattress to sleep on. And Bex arranged that Dr. Jan would get some medical attention to her because the reason she was burnt was that she had epilepsy and she would uh, have these fits. It wasn't just a medical thing because it would always happen when she was near a fire, so she'd fall in the fire and get burned. And the enemy was using this to destroy her life. Well, she had the medication for three months and made a great improvement, but the grandma got up and gave testimony the Sunday we were there this year and said, there's no more medication for it, finished after three months. So the last nine months has just been what God has been doing in her life. And she looked me right in the eye and she could smile and she was to all intents and purposes, a normal little girl. This is what love can do. This is what the love of God can do. Doesn't it say love conquers all? And it was just the most amazing thing to see. So we prayed for her some more that day. Um, so bless you girls who also poured into her last year. I think that's the picture I'd like to finish on for this year of, you know, everybody who's invested in what Bex and Moses is doing there, you've been part of this because you've poured love in too in your giving and in your prayers and in your support. We led a lot of people to the Lord in our trip. We saw many people healed. We saw uh, people de delivered left, right, and center. I mean, every other person we prayed for would immediately manifest a demonic manifestation. They got very good at kicking them out pretty quick. So, but this is why the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come into this world for this purpose, to destroy the works of the evil one. And we saw him do that. And it was fantastic. So thank you so much, and we praise you, Lord. So one last slide. So how could you help? Maybe you could consider sponsoring a child on a monthly basis. There's 200 children in the school and less than 100 are currently sponsored. So if you could do a small amount of money a month, you could sponsor a child through their education there. Bex and Moses will be here in about three weeks. So some more of those items that we collected and took, we could send them back with even more stuff for the school or clothes. They're going to be doing a stall at the Lichit Carnival in June. Maybe you would like to donate them some items to sell at the stall. Crafts, cards, jams, jellies, plants, things like that. Or if you have a skill that you could offer to strengthen the work of the school, of the welfare side, in the preaching and encouragement of the churches that are also um, connected with Bex and Moses, please, would you think about coming on a future team? Come and talk to me about it, or um, Les and Jill, or Phil Dowding. Um, and let's keep going, because it's a great privilege to do this. And what I want to see is the same as Bex and Moses. I want to see that slum no longer being a hopeless place, but a real place of hope where people meet with God and are turned round by his love. So, thank you so much. Um, it's two minutes to nine. Let's use these last two minutes well and then we will close. Um, if you need healing, physically or in any other way, I'd like to invite you to come up here. Girls, can you come over, Josie and Joe? Maybe uh, Mike T and Phil D could join them at the communion table. If you need healing, why don't you come up, take some communion, and let these four lay hands on you for your healing. There's also some oil here that you could use. Girls, come over to that, that side. That's it with Mike and Phil. Otherwise, I'm going to suggest we...
just get in groups of four and pray for a couple of minutes for Child of Hope. Is that okay? So could you circulate these round and in your fours, take one of those prayer points. So one between a group of four, pass them around and we will stand and pray. Would you like to stand up? Thank you, Lord. So if you want healing, can you come over right now to this corner? Chris, could you put some quiet music on? If you'd like to receive healing, come over there. Otherwise, can you make a group of four in your locality? Get one of those prayer points and pray for two minutes for Child of Hope. 